Hello and welcome to episode five of Cherry Jam. Uh, amazingly this week, it's an episode with a difference. We have good news as a Gloucester supporters. We actually have some good news to, to share. Uh, with me this week is Snowy, uh, that's James Eastwood, Russ Brooks, and from his return, uh, returning from Lithuania, Lawrence Loz. I hope you had a nice time. It sounded like you did anyway. Yeah, very good. It was lovely. Uh, good, good. And um, because we're uh, nothing if not a jet setting lot, uh, Jim is currently in Belgium. Uh, cycling and maybe having a drink or two as well. So, um, anyway, what we wanted to do to start off this week was to have a chat about some of the uh, new signings. We've been sort of week on week having players leave the club, but this is the week where we've had some players join the club. Um, and what we're going to do this week, slightly differently, I'm going to go around each each of uh, my my colleagues here at the, the Cherry Jam podcast, and they're going to talk about the each uh, one in turn. So we'll start off with... Um, uh, Loz and um, the Argentinian incoming uh, signing of Matthias Alemano, who I'll be yeah. honest, I hadn't got a clue who he was uh, apart from when you went on Wikipedia. Um, <laughs> but, uh, what I mean, you're that you were the uh, the nominal second row of the, second row of the group. Um, um, you well, you played there. None of us did, yeah. so um, you know exactly what you're talking about here, mate. I'll I'll let you take it on. Well, we've lost a world-class lock in Mostert, which is obviously a blow, but we've signed an Argentinian that only one player has played more caps for Argentina since Sanchez made his debut, and that's the new one we've signed. So he's bigger than um, Mostert, uh, ever so slightly, and he looks a big old piece of Argentinian biff, which is can't be a bad thing, let's put it that way. Um, he's... I don't know a massive amount about him. Um, I've watched some Super Rugby and I've watched some uh, the uh, Rugby Championship, used to be Tri-Nations Rugby Championship, they're called now. And that Argentinian pack, which is in essence the Jaguares team, goes rather well. So if he can scrummage and he can jump in the line out and, take, and dominate the line out, that's a great start for what we need as a team um, because ultimately with our backs the core thing we need from our team is for the pack to dominate. Um, if he can tackle as good as Mostert and probably carry him better, because the one thing that Mostert's game didn't really have at the elite level, it, it was it was great, don't get me wrong, but he never really truly boshed his way through, but like some of the other second rows did. No. Um, if he can do something along the lines of anywhere near, you know, do, the, do his core stuff of winning line-outs and scrummaging excellently, and do the rest adequately, I think we've got a good sign in there, personally. I was really happy that it wasn't the Argentinian lock who gives away all the red cards and penalties, to be honest. That was my initial thought. Um, but yeah, I mean, he uh, it, it, again, I'm like you, Lars, I didn't know a huge amount about him, mainly because he's a forward and therefore I don't really pay attention to the big, ugly people in the back. Um, I tend to look at the nice, attractive ones in the backs and the wings, like myself. Um, but um... <laughs> this is a mission which you might want to cut out here. <laughs> well, no, 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 it's, you know. We all do our hair, don't we? That's the thing. Um, anyway, uh, but no, I, I was I was pleased, and, and um, it, it, it was a nice. It was a nice. Um, well, it, it being trailed a little bit at the end of last week, actually, hadn't it? That there was the rumours that he was signing, so that was good. Um, Russ, um, now you are definitely the prop in the group, um, and uh, let's be honest, you were the only one who was stupid enough to put your, foot, your head there in the first place. So. Um, you definitely get um, the uh, interesting signing on a short-term deal of Logovi Mulapola, who we all know, um, and I think we were all quite excited about him joining. I think he was one of those players who you always kind of liked and you know didn't really want to see on the team sheet because he's, he's certainly a presence around the field. He, he's one of those players also, the way he plays, he, he kind of stands out. You know, he he ticks a lot of boxes for for players we we need. He can play both sides of the scrum. A um, lot of caps for Samoa, World Cup player. Uh, you know, he's come from Leicester. I think when I looked earlier, he played 15 out of 20 games for Leicester this year as well. So he still was a regular at Leicester in spite of their troubles. Well, 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 well. Sorry, Sorry wrong name. Yeah. Let me start that again. <laughs> no, no, no. no, no. <laughs> Do not yeah. cut that out, Ed. It's not, it's not a podcast <laughs> unless it's a Russism. And we've yeah. already learned this. Russ comes out with the funniest stuff, but also he has, comes out with the great Russism. Yeah, but to be fair, though, Russ, you know, he, he was, and every, you know, every time we bloody played him, or we played against us when he was playing for Leicester, 
he was an absolute nightmare. He's a nightmare, and he's one of those players who I remember I'd always moan and say, I can't. He doesn't scrummage league league, but what prop does? And, you know, I've lost count of the amount of games where he was was constantly costing us penalties because he was just making a nuisance of himself. And... You know, he's he's exactly the sort of player we want. He's, you know, some of the criticism levelled at the Ackerman teams in the past is they were lacking in premiership experience. And we were, moan, you know, lots of players were moaning about people coming from from overseas and not necessarily having a grasp of what it was like to play in the premiership. He's, he's certainly got that experience. It was, what, six seasons with Leicester, plenty with Newcastle. You know, I'm pretty sure there have been lots of other teams looking for him. And I think he was actually one of the props we missed when we were banding about props we'd, we'd like, probably just because we didn't think he was an option. So I think, Yeah, exactly. No, I didn't know. No, I he I falls into that building the pack. And I think, you know, with the players we've signed, it, it certainly looks a lot stronger up front, doesn't it? Mm. So The interesting thing as well about Mulipola is that it was noted it was a short-term deal, but... I, it sounds like it, there's a potential there for him to join on a longer-term deal if if things go well, which is encouraging. I mean, it it just means that we've got him to the end of the season. Well, it's Garv is the same, isn't he? So you know, yeah. I think, and I think Snowy alluded to this last week. That was the way to probably get some of these players in is say, look, you, you've got an opportunity. Go out there and show what you can do. And to be fair to Gloss, we've done quite well out of contracts like that. Um, yeah, I think Hanson was, Hanson was a short-term contract initially, wasn't he? And Hanson he was. Really... Um, Visaji, who joined briefly uh, last year, was another one. I mean, all right, he, I think he's gone to the Lions, I think, actually. He's now returned to the Lions. But um, we've, we've done that a few times. Um, and you mentioned Garvey. And again, Russ, you're getting an expert like this, mate. This is two weeks in a row. You've instantly segued. Um, so, Snowy, um, yeah. the, the fullback um, and wing, um, you get to talk about a second row stroke back row player um, <laughs> in, uh, in, in Matt Garvey, who has joined us again on a short-term loan. He was released by Bath. So again, a short-term uh, deal, but looks like it could potentially be a longer-term one if he does well. Um, your thoughts on Matt Garvey? So, yeah, I think we discussed on this podcast previously that the sort of players we want to be signing are those like proven premiership players that aren't going to be a risk of losing them for international duty, but we know what they're going to deliver. And I think if we picked one of those players, knowing that we needed a lock in the Premiership, we probably would have said Matt Garvey because he's got yeah. he's captained Bath for two yeah. or three seasons, so he's got proven leadership experience. He's only thirty-two, mm. I think, thirty-one, thirty-two. Yeah, he's, so yeah. he's not that old in in second row terms. Um, he's huge. So in terms of just like grunt, you know, beefing up our pack and wanting one of those players that's just gonna, you know. Get, get stuck in get get in the dirty and the muddy then um yeah absolutely perfect i know he's a he's a back row as well i i can't see him playing back row for us very no. often but you know especially with so many art, artificial pitches now but if we did need to just size up our pack i could see him in the back row and and um just, just bulk it up a bit but i mean a week ago we were struggling we were saying look we've got we've got a big gap there in the second row now we're looking looking like a pretty complete pack. Um, yeah, probably, probably, option, isn't it? I think, yeah, yeah, I was going to say exactly and what flexibility as well with the with good as well. bench option. And you're talking, we talked about this last week four games in 15 days, and the squad's going to be stretched. Yeah. Some mm. players who are versatile like that can um can be a massive advantage. I mean, we all, how many sec how many back rows have we had the last few seasons, and yet. A couple of seasons ago, we had a back row crisis, so it doesn't hurt to have someone who can step in there at short notice across any positions. I think, especially with a smaller squad. So yeah, they they hit it again this week that they there could still be one or two more to yeah, add. Where where, where do you think there's still a gap possibly in the squad? I, I'd say maybe fullback. But fullback, we've, we've got, only got we've two got players that can play there. Maybe yeah, but we've center, only got two. But... We've only got two. I think centre we're fine, but we've only got two out and out fullbacks in Marshall, not Marshall, sorry, in um, Woodward, Woodward and uh, Hudson. Oh, yeah. um, and I will, let's be honest, they're a bit fragile at times. It's, and it's, it's one of ten, you can play fifteen or vice versa. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I, I just think I think personally that we probably need another fullback, but it, 
I wouldn't I wouldn't be I wouldn't be devastated if we didn't fill that hole towards until next season. You could argue I think we're probably prop short prop as well. We are yeah, short I'd prop. Say, I think I'd another prop. prop because you know we've still got um, Knight and Savile are still fairly young, still learning. I think so, you know Seville, mate. Just, Seville, just yeah. I want to well, correct let's you on that just one. Let's just Let's just roll with it at this point. Jesus Christ, <laughs> I'm becoming the part Carl Pilkington in this. <laughs> Becoming. Um, <laughs> let's, let's, but but yeah. In all seriousness, we we you know some some more experience in the front row. I think the one thing that did make me laugh is I saw a few comments that saying, "Oh well, we've got rid of Moster and we've signed a 32-year-old in Garvey, and we're moaning about his age." And it's like, well, what do you want? An experienced 21-year-old? You can't have it both ways. No. Well, well, that's what you said, isn't it? Before, 18-year-old with 50 years experience. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And I, yeah. I think we definitely, I think a bit more experience in that type five is probably where we, we know we could benefit from. He's a lousy think... bastard as well. If he had gone back yeah. to the old olden days where you just sorted out with your fists, you can guarantee he'd be the first bugger in there to do it. And, he's and always at the front see, of yeah. the scuffles. And if, if people were saying from five, you know, our pack hasn't been got enough grunt and an edge so that's the sort of player you need i mean slater is a very was a similar signing wasn't he and look look yeah. what he's done so you know and he needs backup you need players of all types really to to bring the best out of the backs you know yeah and and in, in addition to uh to those we've also signed um a couple of young lads um uh, from outside of the academy some of the academy guys have stepped up which is excellent news a couple of guys from um, uh, Chatham College, um, a few others have, have joined. So, you know, young lads, we're not expecting to see these guys until, you know, maybe two, three, four years on the line, to be honest. But we've also signed uh, Cam Jordan, who we did mention last week. So it does look like we knew what we're talking about. Um, he's uh, a young lad from Leicester, who I think he, pre he previously captained Leicester's um, academy side. And Toby Venner from Hartbury College, again, apparently he's very impressed everybody there and is, is got the opportunity to step up. Again, don't know a huge amount about them, but it's that extra squad depth. Um, they're probably going to even get to play. I would have thought, you know, they've been pressing well in training. They might get a chance, which is excellent. Um, and then uh, I'm just going to briefly touch on. Uh, so we've got new deals for Tim Taylor and Trevor Woodman. So Tim Taylor is kind of not really stated exactly what it is. I think he's assistant back coach or something like that. But and Trevor Woodman is assistant forwards coach. Um, and I suppose we'll probably have some sort of uh, continuing role in terms of scrum coach. But um, they've got new deals. And then most importantly of all, though. But by the biggest deal, from my point of view, I mean, the players are brilliant, but the biggest deal for me this year, this week, was Alex King is our new backs coach. And yeah. this guy comes with an incredible pedigree from coaching alone. He's won the league with Northampton and Montpellier in France. and uh, Or Claremont, sorry. Claremont. Sorry, it was Claremont. Thanks, he was at Montpellier. Yeah, that's right, my go. This, this one. That's my, that's, that's my one this week. But no, he um, he's, he's joined us from Montpellier, sorry, but he, he won the league with Claremont. But, um, I mean, as a player... Uh, um, you know, I, I used to go, we used to go. Me and my dad used to go and watch uh, Gloucester play every away game. We'd always go into Wasps. And Alex King was that player that you'd be in a game, you may be two or three points ahead or two or three points behind, and you'd be look like in control. And Alex King, all he would do is he'd spend the next the last twenty minutes of the game just sticking a dagger into your heart by kicking the ball into the corner every bloody time. And uh, it's nice finally after. A, a, you know, 20, 30 years, we finally got Alex King out of the club because apparently he's been, we, we, we failed on two or three occasions to get him into the club. We were apparently very close when he was at Bristol University many years ago. Um, but it's, uh, that for me was the signing of the week, really, Alex King. And, and um, hopefully he and uh, uh, Cipriani can get together and come up with some interesting plays. With the, and then you think about it, you've got Alamano, uh, Matt Garvey, Mullapola, um, people like Slater, uh, Ackerman, who's still the club, running dummy lines off Cipriani. That yeah. might create a few games. Ledry. 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 Yeah. Both, um, both Alex King and Trevor Woodman as well have got responsibilities for the backs and the forwards in the academy. So yeah, exactly. it seems like they have merged roles. Isn't so, that yeah. Taylor, Taylor and Woodman's got that? I thought uh, Alex King came as our attacks, attack coach. Oh, and I thought, because that's what I was going to say about what, what's Tim Taylor's role if he's now signed a new contract. Is it because it, it did look as though we possibly got a setup where we got two, we got our two main coaches in Skivington and King. And then we've got 
um, Taylor and Woodman, who will be involved day to day with the first team, but will also have an involvement with the academy. Therefore, that sort of way of coaching will be coming through. So the players will all be coached in the same manner. Yeah. We'll have a continuity coming through. I don't know. I don't know. I think that's, that's what Lance Bradley's made clear is that he is merging those two things. You know, there's, yeah. there, it's going to be very consistent between the academy and the first team. There's going to be very clear paths to move from one well, to the other. Dougie filled in almost, didn't he, a lot of the time during the Premiership Cup and stuff. They, yeah, he was coaching part of that, wasn't he? Yeah. I think I wonder if there's an element of that, you know, let the academy. And you'd like to think that would be some nice forward thinking from the club, wouldn't it? It would be like mm. knowing that you're not always going to have the same coaches move on, same as players. So developing a bit more of your backroom, giving them all opportunities to come on if need be, is, is something we've lacked for a while in the past, hasn't it? We haven't had many. There's very rarely been a coach, Dean Ryan maybe, who's come from a different position in the club and then stepped up to take on that mantle in the way that Leicester used to do of old and so on. So I don't know, maybe that's something they're looking to do. Red as well, you could argue. Couldn't yeah, Red yeah, path, yeah could, I suppose, yeah. I mean, not the, the thing... No, uh, but I think the thing that the, for me the big the biggest thing for for all of this is that again it's it's I said it a couple of weeks ago which is we don't have an identity as a club from a playing point of view a structure you know a, a playing style um, other than chuck it out to our very fast backs and see what happens which we've always been able to do but I, I I'm I'm encouraged by this idea that we're going to try and they're going to have this sort of pathway that there is going to be this this continuity. Um, between the academy and the the main squad, and it means that if a player is required at short notice, at least they'll have an idea of patterns of play. They'll have an idea of um, how they're going to be expected to play. I mean, I've gone to enough United games where Gloucester have done very well in the United leagues recently. Um, but if you watch it, it's a very different style of rugby to how we play on a on a Saturday. Um, it's very forward. It, ironically, it's been very forward orientated. We've done very well at lineouts and malls. Um, but there hasn't been that sort of, you know, when, when you see Cipriani running to the game line and looking at looking, he's got three options. We don't have that. And that's, um, I mean, Snowy mentioned about it, potentially other players you'd like to see fill in. I mean, ideally, we'd all like somebody, a Cipriani Mark II, if Cipriani can't play or is knackered, that there's someone who is able to step in. I like Lloyd Evans, but I just don't know if he's got the same skill set and ability as Cipriani is on a regular on a, basis. That's on that note, I, f- I found it interesting in the podcast that Lance Bradley did that um, Skivington during his interview basically laid out what errors Gloucester made through the season and how he'd rectify them. Yeah, I and, that, yeah. And they just said, no shit. Yeah, that's exactly where we've gone wrong. <laughs> Why haven't yeah. the current setup looked to address this? Um, yeah. Which I think is really interesting. So, I'm I, encouraging. A question for everybody else on, on the podcast, really. Are you more excited? Do you think we're in a better place now than we were pre-COVID? Uh, that's a good question. Go on, Russ, you go, mate. I, I think it's hard to know, isn't it? Because... It's all on paper at the moment. It, yeah, every, you don't. Everything's on paper at the moment. It it almost feels like the start of a new season, doesn't it? Mm. And it, it's going to be really because every team is in the same boat as us. You don't know who's going to have improved, who's deteriorated, who's kept it going. There's lots. I think if you'd have asked everyone here a couple of weeks ago, I think we'd have been a bit more anxious. I don't think any of us were as critical as some have been of the. the no. Um, I think there's quite a lot of people who hopefully will feel a bit more at ease about it. I think I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic, um, but you need to see a few games. And, then the, and I think the other thing is there's been a big change in everything there. And I, I think you've got to give them some time to make those changes, haven't you? Let, let's be realistic about where we are in the league. You know, there's a long way to go to, to clamber up there. And I think you know, if, if we can get ourselves in the mix for the Champions Cup next year, you'd probably take that really. But that that's still top six is just top six is top six is vital. As far yeah. As so I, I think, think that'll be the judge, the short term goal, wouldn't it? it? I think it's eat through this season, see a few signs of what's to come, and get to you know get us in a place where we've got that next year, and then have a full pre-season, whatever whatever that, that looks like and when, when the next season starts. But I think that, that for me is the main thing is just, just 
give them time and if we take get top six like you said Ed, that that's vital i don't think that's in, it is i think it wouldn't hurt us to be in the, the challenge cup again given the fact we've got new coaching setup which is coming in they're gonna have had they having to hit the floor running so what they don't we aren't going down let's no let's no i know some, that get, yeah, get, like... get get some system sorted Get, and as you said, get ready for next season. And if we're not at the high intensity week in, week out, we're in the Challenge Cup. Not disrespecting those teams that's going to be in there, but it's no hard, no no Champions Cup standard. No, it's, it's better for a trip, but it's crap for rugby. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, but, but then, then we can rest up a few players and maybe get top six next season and then look to go for top four the season after that and just build. We're, we've ripped up the, the book again. As we've said every year, jam tomorrow, you know, we let's let's go from there with regards to answering what snowy said um let i don't think we're in any worse a position now especially no. if if there were various things where whether the rumors are true or not whether ackerman had lost interest i don't know that's one rumor i'd heard whether the players had fallen out with ackerman whatever for whatever reason i don't know something wasn't right yeah and if they're all singing from the same hymn sheet we can only be in a better position I think that's the thing, Loz, is I think that that's the one thing that feels better is I think you're, you're right. I, you, I, we all heard different rooms. I couldn't say what's true, what's not true. But you, you'd have to be an idiot to not watch the games and think something's not right here. Something just just fell off. And, fell off, yeah, I agree with that. And hopefully, you know, at the moment, the club, everyone's saying the right things, making the right noises. And I think the other thing for me is like Loz said, uh, sorry, Snowy said with that podcast where Skivington's coming out and, and, and pulling out the right things and saying, well, this was wrong. This needs to be right. I was one of those who used to get sick and tired of hearing the same interview every Go week. from Ackerman. Coming from yeah, well, not and not even just Ackerman. Ed, you know, quite often it was the same same bites from everyone, and you know, this is a learning curve we're built. And it, sometimes you don't need to hear that. So I think at the moment it's just refreshing to hear someone like Skivington be so honest and candid about it. So mm. yeah, I think that all like Loz said, it, it feels like there's a chance to have almost like a regroup and get together. So we've lost enough gamers in the last five years to have learned that. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with Lawrence's point that I don't think we should put too much pressure on league position that we end up in this season. I think this next four games, with the way they're all compressed, the fact that it's been a weird sort of pre-season where we've, new players have come in, it's going to be a bit of a lottery, those four games. I think yeah. you'll see anyone beating anyone. Um, yeah, the lack of a crowd is also an issue. We, yeah. we, you know, we, we don't know how that's going to affect us. Yeah. Certainly, yeah. certainly for us at home, because we do thrive off of the home crowd. Yeah. yeah, I mean that it does feel a big loss, particularly to us. I'd agree with that, actually, Lars. Yeah. I never know if we're really good at home or if we're just shit away. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's probably some. It's well, probably both in between. Isn't uh, yeah, yeah. I think it's a pretty much a bit of both. Um, <laughs> right. Um, what we're going to do now is going to talk about um, the uh, confirmed Lions uh, tour, which is next year. <laughs> Okay, yeah, so we're going to be talking about the um, the Lions Tour, which was confirmed in South Africa for next year. Um, and uh, what I wanted to have a quick chat about is the um, is those players that are absolutely nailed on certainties for the test side. One of them is definitely a Gloucester player, we know that. Um, if there's any other players that we think are going to be absolutely nailed on, I think a few of them are Saracens players who are going to have a very, very light schedule next year. Um, so, yeah, um, Snowy, we'll go to you first. As, um, uh, you know, I thought it'd be nice to start. Uh, so, yeah, uh, other than... Johnny May, who is an absolute nailed-on first first test starter. Who else is going to be in that test side? Well, I, I I can't. There isn't anyone that jumps out from Gloucester. I don't think at this point, apart from Johnny um, May. Apart from Johnny May. Um, <laughs> but I, I I I think it's I think I think every Lions team. There's one of the nations that's performed well in the previous one or two Six Nations, which sort of forms the core, like the root of the squad. Yeah, um, and I, I can't see that being very far away from England at the minute. Um, so I, I think you will see a core of English players there, um, certainly in the pack. Um, I, I think where it will be really interesting is how they work that 
that 10, 10, 12 position. Yeah. Um, I feel there's a lot of unknowns at the minute. I, especially with, with the league structure and everything as well is that it's hard, it's hard to even really guess at who those form players are at this point. We didn't have a full six nations. Um, no. so we didn't have the, the standout from that. Um, yeah, but from a Gloucester perspective, I, there isn't anyone that no. that you can really think of outside Johnny May. Johnny May is one of the first team uh, names on the team sheet. I'm, I'm certain. Yeah, of that. I mean, you know, I'd like to think Hines would be maybe a squad player. I, you know, I think genuinely he's he's in he's in the top three or four scrum halves in terms of if international in the you know in the home nations. If you think about it, you know, you look you look yeah. at you look at Scotland. They really don't have a, 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 a particularly dynamic. I personally don't think they've got a particularly dynamic scrum half at the moment. So then it's it's a case of one from England, one from Ireland. No, I think it's Web and Davies. Web and Davies. Web and Davies. Yeah. Well, Web and Davies. Murray. Connor Murray's going to be. Connor Murray yeah. will be there or thereabouts. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you're only going to take three scrum. You only take three scrum halves. Right? And I think that's yeah. just three there. I, 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 as much as I like Hines and his game management, I think the other thing you've got to remember with the Lions is it comes down to the type of game plan the coaches are going to want to play. And well, Gatland. And yeah, and we know Gatland. Warren Ball. Well, yeah, Warren Ball. You know, the one thing with Gats is he will throw a couple of curveballs out there, and mm. you know, given. But Welsh under twenty one, like you did last time. Well, yeah. Well, you, I'm not saying they're always <laughs> well, they were, the right call, but oh, it they were, they were touring him. in the area, so it was kind yeah, of. Yeah, nice, I, I uh, just, yeah. I don't think it. I don't think there'll be any huge surprises. Where there might be is I don't know whether he likes to. I think you know he he likes to rub up Eddie Jones the wrong way, and I just wonder if there's a part of him who would maybe just. If Sips plays well, he might just take him along just to stick him in the midweek side and let him go and have a run out and just piss off Eddie a bit. I don't know. Maybe, yeah. Uh, I think if I was Hines, I'd be booking a three-week holiday to Namibia. Let's put it that way around the time. Yeah, 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 true. I don't think he would fit how Gats is going to play out there. I think that's it for me. But mm. I think Snow is right. The, the difficulty was that Six Nations is short and France were by far and away the best side. Until they suddenly weren't. Well, yeah, well, you get, because <laughs> they, they were like bloody that. awful against Scotland. But I was just saying they were great for about a game and a half, weren't they? Yeah, but, they were shocking you know, against was, Italy. Enough, it was a weird Six Nations that no one from the home nations set it alight, really, did they? So no, I, I think that's a fair statement. And it, it's going to be so. I don't know. I think Snow is right. It's going to be very difficult to judge it. Um, in terms of if you're picking on form, I mean, there's even been like some stuff in news, hasn't there? That they might let some of the Saris players go out on loan to play in the Super Tournament to try and get some game time, which, mm. I don't know, it seems... But then, I do wonder, though, I mean, these players, people like Atoje, Vunipolas, Farrell, these are, these players are, you know, they play a lot of rugby, let's be honest. They, they, they play a hell of a lot of rugby, international rugby, Saracens, it's high-level rugby as well. It's not, they're not turning out... Uh, you know, when there's when the Six Nations or the Ontario Internationals won, they're not they're not playing the Premiership Cup games, are they? They're the, they're playing Heineken Cup, Champions Cup, and the, the big games. It might end up being if you say to them, right, you're guaranteed almost like Farrell, Toji, Vunipolis. Realistically, they're going to be in the they're going to be in the squad unless there's an injury. They're probably going to be in the squad. So you just assume them. Then, well, they get camp. They just basically go into camp. They're conditioned to absolute fine tune as much as possible. I, I think the other point I'd make on that one, Ed, is just. We t- it only seems to be levelled at some England players that they need game time. If you look at the Wales, Ireland, Scotland model of their tournament... Yeah, they don't play, do they? They don't play. I don't understand why it's levelled at the Premiership. You know, it's, it's arguable that it's one of the reasons why we struggle in the Champions Cup, other than not having the money of those teams. But, you know, week in, week out, you get absolutely battered in the Premiership and you don't yeah. get the break that they get. So Well, that was that was the argument. I remember there was, when we played Munster, um, the last time we played Munster was that last the year before last when we got absolutely stuffed by them at home. Um, the the week before the game at King's Home, um, was it Declan Kidney was coaching Munster at the time? I think it might have been. He basically rested... 10 players for two weeks, three weeks beforehand. Mm. Just didn't play them because the Pro 14, whatever it's called, is just a pointless tournament. 
Um, and he, he just went, well, because they, they know they're going to qualify for the Champions Cup every yeah. year. That's the tournament they focus on. So they just basically said, well, we're going to rest you. Gloucester played three key premiership games back to back and had to and have got to really struggle to qualify for the Champions Cup. And that's the difference. Um, so you're right. A lot of, you know, a lot of these players um, are going to be, um, well, it might, again, it might work in our favour this time for the Lions. Um, what was the three-week break a reason why we got hammered by Wasps, though? Uh, well, we got no. The reason we got hammered by Wasps was they had three weeks to work out what the pod system was. Well, yeah, um, that's that's yeah, I know. Uh, my memory, so I couldn't. Yeah, thanks, yeah. thanks for that. Thanks for reminding everybody there, Loz, of the uh, moment in, <laughs> like, in Gloucester rugby. Um, is there anybody, I mean, just out of interest, as I say, is there any player that off top? I mean, I, I'm apart from the obvious like Saracens players and stuff, is there any player from say one of the other home nations that we think is going to be? Uh, well, could be in for a shout if we sort of take on this season's form. I know obviously next season's different, but if we work on this season, so anybody we thought might be a, a player that we wouldn't we'd probably include? A resounding no there, I can hear. <laughs> I don't know, it's difficult. There's players that play. I think the one who's bounced back, and I'm not his biggest fan, is Hogg. He's, you know, he he did have a few drop balls, but then he's what he's shown that he seemed to lack for me before some resiliency to come back and he's had some good performances for Exeter I wonder if that'll bring him on to be a better player I think the other one in Gloucester who might be an x-factor could have given the call for Wales is whether Zamet will play himself into the Wales mix and you know do they take I, I think that would personally I think it'd be a step too far I know people would be screaming for him but I don't know I don't there's no play off the top of my head there's no one in any of the teams who's screaming, yet yeah, they're an absolute lock-in. For no many. one's screaming a lock-in, but a Bolton might be. So if you can get some form, especially now he's going to Exeter, might be Johnny Gray in the second row. Yeah, um, and that, that's not as a starter, but it might be as a squad player. You know, he's a, he's he walks. I don't know. I can't remember whether he's been playing much for Scotland or what. But if him on on pop form, he's gonna he's got to be considered because he's a like his brother. He's a hell of a size as well. I can nothing else. Yeah, it's, I mean, I don't know, it's a slightly unfair question because it is um, over a year out and we've not had rugby for four months. But, you know, mm. it's just and interesting, you interesting. And you haven't really told us about that as well. No, yeah, I thought that would be quite mean. You know, there, there, there are, of course, the obvious names that you know are going to go, like your Mako Vunapolas and stuff. Yeah. Um, but it's more about, yeah, who, who's that? Someone that hasn't had a Lions cap or, or hasn't had a lot of international caps that's going to be the surprise package. That'll be the interesting thing to to unfold. And I think the way the season structure ends up working out, we'll have we'll have a big say on that. Yeah, because we don't. That's the other thing as well. The tour. I mean, the tour. The tour. It starts mid July, so it's around this time of year actually. Uh, next year, um, I think the first test is the. I think it's the thirteenth or fourteenth of July. Um, around that date so um no i mean it, you know I, i'm one of these people that i still i like to watch the lines but it's i wonder how much longer the lines is really going to be around for particularly if we're looking at this world season and um the problems that the southern hemisphere unions are are having in terms of the, the you know they're, they're running out of money even new zealand's running out of money well i um, think it, you could argue that's why it's in their interest to keep the lions going if you CVC are interested, if you read some of the money that is banded around and what what the Lions tour makes for those that are being toured, then mm. there's no way that Lions tour is disappearing. No. I, I'd be personally, I hope it thing. never does. It's a cash cow for him. It's a ten and fifteen yeah. million pound cash cow for him each each tour. There's no yeah. way that the Lions is going to go. I'd like I'd like to see them go. I'd like to see them go to somewhere like Argentina for a couple of tests. That would be good. Or or do this or do the um, uh, uh, South Seas, you know, Fiji. They do like a super tight side Fiji Samoa Tonga. That would be quite good. Was it Argentina? They played at the Millennium. They did. You dream. We we kind of forget about it because it was probably the worst Lions tour ever, wasn't it? It 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 didn't get. I mean, when you think back about it, um, drawing at at uh, Millennium Stadium against Argentina before you go to New Zealand is probably not a good sign. No, and Um, it also did not help that um, didn't didn't Brits and Farrell like get into it as well? You know, two clubmates having a bit of a Barney. That was the Bar Bars. Yeah, that was before the last. uh, Yeah, I think. 
Mm. I think you, I agree, Ed. I think the way that you could make the line sustainable is to have that kind of, that game. I mean, another way of doing it is where they've done it in the past is where you had the Pacific Islands put together a, a, a side, you know, just as a proper exhibition game. There's, I mean, there's yeah, a lot yeah, that you, they could do. You could play someone like Fiji in, in New Zealand or Australia as one of your midweek games. Midweek games, that's uh, true. And, it, and that, yeah. that still it generates money for those unions. I yeah, and it would be it would be a good game as well. I mean, and I do have a vague oh, rem- memory of like one of the late eighties or nineties tours. After they played, I think it was they played New Zealand. I'm sure they played a New Zealand and Australia like select team or something. I mean, I could I'm, be imagining. Yeah, yeah. do I'm like pre- the Presidents Fifteens. Yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure though. I think we have. I think the Lions have played Samoa or Fiji, and I think it's the only side the Lions have never beaten. It's some weird. There was a weird get test match. You say it was like on the way home or something like that. But yeah, there was a weird. What I would say with this is they're better off paying someone like Fiji or Samoa or a combined thing than the New South Wales select and the 14s, which you end up playing when you go what when you go on an Australian tour. Yeah, you know, it's all right when you go to New Zealand and to an extent South Africa because there's no such, they always say there's no such thing as a weak New Zealand side, but my God, there's a weak bloody Australian team. Right? Yes, there is. There's uh, and there it, are, do, yeah. it doesn't serve them any favours when they say, right, we're resting our super, super whatever, 50 or whatever the teams are playing in it now, um, players, and you end up playing, as I said, just a bunch of second-rate amateurs almost, and they're sticking 120 points on. That serves no purposes at all. No. So certainly if you're in Australia, because being there. It's a bit more different if you're in South Africa and thankfully their their reserve sides um, are usually give, well they give you a bit they'll beat you up. Well they'll, they'll punch you if nothing else. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but one thing I will say just and I know I know I know we've gone back over old ground with this this but you mentioned the, the, the global sea potential global season. What the one thing that worries me about this and I, I, I expressed my terms uh, my concerns to Ed in a, a chat the other day about the global season was the play, the, uh, the premiership being played quickly. And then the Lions saw going ahead at a normal time. It's, you know, if for me, for the global seasons where Lions saw's got to be at the end of the season, which would be an October tour, October, November tour. By going in July, I can see them trying to squeeze next season in and we're being back on the normal. And you've got the once in a lifetime opportunity you've had to set something up which would be genuine for player welfare is goes out the window. I hope that's not the case and that they're mm. the players to get this season done with. And you can then, and it goes on to the global season. So, yeah, okay, the players have have extra games now, but in the long run, not just this crop of players, but the players going forward will always have that player welfare thing because that's what the argument behind a global season is, is you can get proper rest times in. Yeah, I agree with that. Right. Uh, that's, um, so the final part of tonight's podcast is uh, as we ask for people to send in suggestions um, for uh, topics we could discuss. Uh, we've had a few in. Please do keep sending them to our Twitter handle, which is at jam underscore rugby. Um, we'd be delighted to have them and we'll, we'll go through them in, as we go through the weeks. Um, this week um, was sent in by uh, a, a good friend, actually, of, of the show, shall we say. Um, we all call her Bungle, um, and um, it's, it's um, Sarah Hayes. For, uh, so we just wanted to give you a shout out there. She's asked us to um, to discuss our favourite moment in rugby. So that could be Gloucester, it could be international, whatever. Um, I'm going to go initially to um, Loz, you because I believe you because you can't pick, so I'm allowing you this because <laughs> it's only fair because you've got this could be we could be here all night, but we'll give you these. Um, that you go ahead first, mate. Yeah, I decided to go away from the obvious of the World Cup win um, and stick to Gloucester, and I got a few. So to go in no particular order, uh, the Cardiff Heineken Cup win. Uh, in yes. 2000 or 2001, whichever year it was. 2001, uh, yeah. Yeah, the two Newcastle games at King's Own. So we've got the comeback in the year, I think it was 2003 when we went on to dominate league, where we were 20 odd points down with about 15 minutes ago. And yes, then uh, scored yes. a couple of late tries and Ludo pinged it over from the touchline on the, what would be the wrong side for him to win it. And I was also, behind yes, that kick, it was amazing. <laughs> and, and, and the absolute hammering we gave him, the 60 point stuff in just after the. Uh, 
Rob Andrew cried wolf about racism, and then the next time they came down, they got an absolute. Well, we ripped them a new one. Yeah. Um, and and then the final one was the Saris. But at the time, it didn't feel like much, but now without successfully, I put fifty odd points on them in the uh, playoff semi final. Was quite satisfied when with retrospect, but even then, mm. they still had quite a team. Um, yeah, that was when we didn't have a grandstand. Yes. Yeah, yeah I remember. So that yeah. in two thousand and seven. Yeah, so I, I was stood in the shed for one of the very rare occasions. Um, but yeah, the, I mean, they're all, I, I'll be honest, I think of on that list, I would have to say, for me, my favourite of those you've just suggested was probably the Newcastle comeback game because we were miles ahead in the league. I think we might have even, I think we hadn't quite come top at that point, but we were close and it was, yeah, 20 nil down or 19 nil down with 15 minutes to go. And the, the, the roar when Ludo's kick split the posts, I, it was, it's up there is one of the loudest things I've heard at King's Home. And I've main, I still maintain to this day there should be a black should be on a DVD because it was an incredible game. Because <laughs> we got battered for 60 minutes. We got absolutely mm. battered for 60 minutes. And to win other, it like that was amazing. The other Newcastle game, there, God, there's some tries in that game. You've got oh the one you've with, got, with Vicks and you got Phil you got yeah. Phil Simpson Vickery yeah which is a hell of a try in its own right you know yeah. the way that was made and it's those get ones are on YouTube and there's one that the other one is Tom Bimes try where Simbad comes in and yeah. stands everyone up and leaves he goes one way and the ball stays and Bime is over. Yeah, but I the mean, phases amazing. of playing that, and it just you forgot how good that team was. I mean, there's a carry by Junior in that, and you know, it's great side. That Sinbad pass, that was if you think about it, he's done it three times in memory recently not recently, but three yeah. very, very, very visual mm. times. Now, the first two times, I can I would say you said the one he let go of the ball, the other two he didn't, he threw yeah. it to yeah. himself. One when he went very long, and the other one was the, the one went for the Johnny Wilkinson try because he did yeah. that little pass yeah. himself which, went, which, went round that, out, don't get, don't and that one was the best one because it was so good he tripped himself up you know yeah. he would have well, probably first, gone if he hadn't have fallen over I have to be I have to be honest the first one when they're playing the Barbars and it's the look on Percy Montgomery's face as he tries to work out where the ball is where Simpson Daniel is and then there's that realisation on his face of oh shit what did, uh, which is wonderful because you know I think that I always try, like seeing Percy Montgomery look like that. Personally. That try, because that would have been up there. I think that try, everyone forgets, because he does Loma and Montgomery, but he also gasses Cullen to the corner. Yeah. <laughs> there was three, at that time, probably, yeah, three of the best players in the world. And, yeah. you know, he was still a young lad at that time. Yeah. And it, Anyway, we digress. <laughs> yeah, as we usually do. Brilliant. So anyway, yeah, as, um, usual. What, as usual, what we'll do now is we'll move it on to Snowy. So Snowy, your favourite moment. So I'm going for the 2003 Pajan Cup final win. Um, not, just, not just the achievement, um, but the, the occasion and the event, because I don't think I've been to a club rugby match since with such a big and passionate crowd in attendance. And I don't think mm. Twickenham has been sold out for a club game since then, but the, you know, 60% of the people there are on £10 tickets who only go to it a rugby game every couple of years that was Twickenham full with passionate club supporters Gloucester was yep. empty Northampton was empty the atmosphere was incredible it was a Super sunny day um, the game itself went back and forth throughout so it, it was a great game to, to really get involved in probably one of the best atmospheres Twickenham's ever seen because you certainly don't get that for an international no. game no. Um, and as we've alluded to in previous podcasts, probably the the, the best ever Gloucester side. Yeah, um, yeah. For the professional era, anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, from from what we've seen, let's be honest, we're yeah. all we're all still yeah. relatively young. I mean, you know, lots yeah. of time. Um, <laughs> oh, cheers. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, yeah. and far behind me, mate. No, <laughs> and the Gloucester players scoring tries that day. You know, you had James Forrester, James and Daniel Ludo going the length of the pitch. Was, Marcel Garvey. Yeah, it was I mean, like. That- yeah. It, it, it was everything about that great team in one game. I mean, that yeah. Ludo, the Ludo intercept was probably one of the best moments because I think we're all enough of a Gloucester fans to know we probably didn't quite believe we'd won. And then Ludo gets that intercept. It's still in the like, balance, isn't you it? Still, yeah. you, you, and you, you see him and you want him to go away. 
but I, I love the commentary back and when they're like oh he's not going to go the length of the way and then it's like but this man we're and it's off to Sinbad and it was that moment at the game where you just knew, and I couldn't go because I was at bloody uni so I've still never seen Gloucester win at King <laughs> but it was that moment where because I was in the bar with a load of Northampton fans it was a moment where at first it was like just sheer relief you're like we've won that's it job done and you know that was the moment for me where you're like, fucking hell, we've done it at last. It's, it's that, that part, party atmosphere as well when there's like, there's 40 yeah. bus coaches or, yeah. I don't, well, I think there were more than that on more the day. More than that, because there were in, in, buses in, and all sorts. In convoy yeah. on the motorway. And they're yeah. all, all parked up in the, was it the West Car Park? West Car Park and, and, and the Rose Tree, yeah, the Rose Bowing. And, and, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. and the, grass, uh, the grass car park that they used as an extension to um, yeah. Stoop as well, isn't there? Yeah, Rosebine, Rosebine Car yeah. Park, which is where I was. Just, it was brilliant, absolutely Amazing brilliant. And, yeah, Great I'm just show. glad we were on the right side of it. Because um, <laughs> a few weeks later, a month, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> a month later or so, it wasn't so fun. Um, no, but um, does, no, that, does that was... lead us to believe that Russia should no longer be allowed to go to a Gloucester final at Twickenham? Pretty much. We've, well, I think we've assumed this. I mean, to be fair, I've only seen us win two. So, you know. uh, um, the <laughs> Russ, your your one mate. Yeah. Okay. So, I thought of one after I said to you, which was just a quick shout out to the Japan versus South Africa game because yeah. it was one of those games I remember switching it on at the time, just you know, just to watch rugby thinking there was there was nothing in that game and by the end of it just being on my ed- edge of my seat 100% invested in wanting Japan to do it and you know the way they won that game as well because I think we've all seen upsets but it's like because the other team have played badly and the other the team that have won have just kicked a couple of penalties and got a lucky intercept they were just by far away the best team on that day and it just what what a change in rugby it should have bought but it didn't quite. And then they went on to pass it later. But just at that time, it was just one of those ones where you're like, oh, yeah. God, it can happen in rugby that anyone could be anyone. And it just I mean, a, a quick note on that one. So I, I was I was volunteering for the World Cup, the Rugby World Cup, and I'd been in Gloucester. And, and ironically, the game that earlier that day, I think it was number two, game number two was Tonga, Georgia. And Georgia yeah. won. And that was actually at the oh, time, that was the game that everyone thought um, that was going to be the uh, the shock. That was the shock of the tournament game because um, you know Georgia weren't really expected yeah. to beat Tonga, and I and I always remember I was uh, afterwards I'd gone round to a friend's house um, and we were having a barbecue and they have they had this amazing little sort of um, games room with a, a couple of TVs, fantastic place. So I'm in there on my own watching Japan South Africa, and half time Japan I think are winning by two points or something, and by the end of the game there was probably 20 people at this barbecue. Every single person was in this games room watching that, that game. And when they scored that try to win the game, it was as if England had won the World Cup. And, <laughs> and, and, and the other thing about that was, uh, it was that moment I thought, bloody hell, this is what, what, how rugby could be, yeah. was I had two people say to me afterwards, when's the next game? Mm. And if, if nothing can, I mean, I was like, well, well, there's games tomorrow, you know, there's loads of games. But this is the thing, if people could get that feeling and that, that emotion and, and, and uh, how amazing the sport can be. And that one game, I think, definitely is, is up there. Yeah. There's two, two quick things I'd like to say about that. There was a, the turning down of the penalty for the draw, yeah. yep. looking for the corner. The, yeah. the sheer belief, that momentum gave you, it gives me goosebumps just thinking about that. Sheer bloody mindiness. We are minnows of the world. We are taking this team on, one of the giants, one of the favourites for the World Cup, and we are going to win this game. If we go out, we're going out in a blaze of glory. Fair play to mm. and they bloody well do it. And the other thing I want to say, as we're in cricket season, the Shire beat Surrey in the cup final. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good day all around then. The, 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 thing of, the other thing about the finish to that game is when a team is behind and it's gone 80 minutes and they need a try to win as opposed to a penalty, it is incredibly rare that they score. Yeah, and amazingly one, uh, one, rare. one of the main reasons for that is that they go within themselves. They become incredibly conservative because for, mm. if you chuck the ball up and lose it, it's game over. And that was what was amazing about that Japan side is they just kept throwing it side yeah. to side and going for the corner. And it was, all, it was a really incredible. All thing to see. great scores as well. All really well worked tries. The one off um, the line out is one of my all time favorite tries. It's, it's just try, an incredible try. try. Yeah. Um, but their favourite by a long way, and not just because of the result, it meant a lot to me at the time as well, um, is 
Gloucester 16, Bath 10, 1996. And I could list yeah. hundreds of reasons, but you know, very quickly, my dad passed away when I was very young. And at the time, I just, it was too painful to go to Gloucester for a long time. So I still followed the team avidly, but it was very hard to go and watch. My cousin dragged me along the week before to the Bristol game. And, you know, vaguely knew Gloucester was struggling at the time. And they had to win, a, I think they had to win the last three games to have any chance of staying up. And that Bristol game was a good game and we won. My, my only abiding memory of that game was, oh, well, Thomas did a 22 dropout that went backwards. That's like the only real <laughs> thing I take from that game. Um, but my cousin was like, we've got to go to the Bath game. You know, they've got to win this game. It's the local team, Derby. We've got to go. So I don't know. I don't even remember how we got tickets. We just managed to get tickets. But what a game it was. It's the first. So under the floodlights it was my first proper taste of King's Home under the floodlights and you couldn't pick a better game it's the first game of Richard Hill done the run past and I think if I remember rightly it's the one where they interviewed someone one of the Bath players who was like we've lost this game before it began because Andy Robinson fans- said afterwards yeah Andy Robinson said he, he he'd he saw the players run in front of the shed and he said he knew at that moment they'd lost the game. The fans were like absolutely ravenous. And they were just, you know, um, went over in the court. Paul Holford went over in the corner early doors. But we were yeah. against it the whole time. And I remember Glanville going over and being, but you just never, like, you know, the belief in the side that day. I think they interviewed Barnsley a long time ago. And he said one of the things he always remembered with Gloucester was, they just could never understand how a bunch of plumbers would never lose to them at home and would give everything. And that game just summed up that Gloucester side for me. There, there was one moment, there was a scrum, and the whole crowd was doing the Gloucester chant, which you don't get that often now, but it was the whole stadium, it felt like, like literally goosebump moment. And this bar fan in front of me, so oh, well, that's good, what's that achieved? Kind of like disparaging. Well, you had to look at Sibsy and Fizz before they packed down. That scrub was not going backward, and it was a monumental penalty that was massive in the game. And it was just one of those ones where you felt as a fan, you genuinely played your part in it. And it was just, mm. you know, it... If I was, I was just hooked again, and just you know, it was well, one of those games where it's just absolutely amazing. And it, it's a game that has grown in status. And this- well, it's an incredibly important game, Russ, because I mean, funny enough, very similar to yourself. So my first, my first proper game watching Gloucester in the league was the Bristol game on the Saturday. My dad took me along. I was, I just turned, I, I was coming up to twelve years old, and um, we then he says to me, "Oh, do you fancy?" I know, Loris, if. Loz is shaking his head on the video call we've got here. Um, anyway, um, and then my dad said to me that, that afternoon, he said, oh, do you fancy coming to, on Wednesday? We've got Bath. And I was aware of the Bath rivalry. And, um, you know, if, if you're going to get a kid hooked in, into sport or into a team, there is no better than Gloucester under the lights of Kingsley. It very much helps that we, we win. It very much helps that you win against the biggest rival and also the biggest rival that a week later or maybe two weeks later had won the league. You know, Bath at this time were an all-conquering side. They were a very, you know, incredible side. And, we went on to win the Heineken Cup the following year, didn't we? Yeah, you know, yeah. so all, they're an amazing, amazing team. And I, I can remember... I, you know, I'd never see, I don't know if I've ever seen my dad so emotional. He was hugging people. There were men crying, there were grown men crying at the end of the game. And also the other thing about the game, weird things that stick in your head. For a brief period of time in the premiership, they did all these weird and wonderful things that almost copied league. And we had a hooter, like a, a siren that went off. So the final, but the, but because it's rugby, because it's a union, unlike league where the siren goes and that's it pretty much. Um, in union, it's until the ball is dead. Yeah. Well, yeah. It was about a minute afterwards and everyone's kind of like, well, what, what happens now? And everyone's sort of cheering and, oh no, hang on, we're still playing. And it was, uh, it was, it was amazing. Hell of it. Yeah. it was, um, you know, <laughs> just get off, kick it. Someone, you know, it's oh, amazing. Um, so my, um, I'm going to finish on my one then. Um, yeah. So there are, there are the obvious ones. And as you said, the World Cup final in 2003, for me being at university in Wales at the time was, very big. Um, I had, the only time I think I ever had in in my many years at Swansea University that I had three days, four days where I could walk around with an England shirt on without being abused. That was brilliant. Um, the Cardiff quarterfinal was one of the people, well, definitely another massive highlight for me. Uh, one of the best home performances against a team that everyone said was absolutely stuffed. Um, 
but I think probably um, for me, one of my my best moments watching rugby is probably it's a bit of a niche one, but it would be um, when we beat um, <laughs> we beat Northampton away in about 1990, I think about 97. And we hadn't won away in 98. We hadn't won away for an entire season. And I'd gone to every bloody away game, I think apart from one. And we... Northampton. <laughs> well, we... Yeah. Not, uh, thankfully, unlike Russ, I have seen us win away, you know. But, um, uh. but when we, we basically, we played Bristol or... No, sorry, we played Richmond at the beginning of the season before, I think. And they played at the Medeski. And it was the first time we'd ever played there. We won. Anyway, went through the entire rest of the season. Didn't win another another away game. Uh, we then went through the next season and didn't win another away game. And we played Northampton at Franklin's Gardens uh, last day of the season. And all the Gloucester players who couldn't play, were out of the squad or injured or whatever, went to the uh, were in the stands. And this is before they redeveloped Franklin's Gardens. So it was the old um, Gordon uh, Gordon's Terrace, I think it was called. Um, so it was a bit like the shed, low, low-hanging metallic roof. So the noise kind of just echoed in there. It was a lovely, lovely stand. Made out of wood as well, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, was a fantastic. I think that was the grandstand, but it was a brilliant, yeah, brilliant. I, I like the old Franklin's Gardens. I have to be honest. I, yeah. I was quite, I was quite sad that when they redeveloped it. I know they had to, but I was quite sad when they redeveloped yeah, yeah. it. And um, Gloucester won uh, quite comfortably as well. I, I remember that my abiding memory of that day was we basically just uh, picked and drive. We just picked and drive the, the entire game. The ball didn't go outside 12. It was just literally just pick and drive, pick and drive, pick and drive, pick and drive. Didn't do anything else. And we won. And there was an old bloke, Northampton fan, just, uh, we were all, everyone's going potty in the, in, in the stands afterwards. And, uh, you know, double arms going Gloucester, Gloucester and all the rest of it. And this bloke said to me, he said to my dad, he said, um, Christ, imagine, you know, like you're, you're over-celebrating a bit. And my dad turned around to him and says, you imagine what will happen if we actually win something. And that's the thing about that. That game was all about, it was, there was a, hardcore of maybe 150 200 Gloucester fans who went to all these games every game you know you see the same faces on the coach and it it meant something because we've been through that just miserable games I mean you get stuffed and or games where you got close like we, we I think we got quite close to beating Wasps and we got quite close to beating Newcastle and when they were good and you know you were you were thinking oh god this is ridiculous how we I would say we lost to West Hartlepool that season as well there was West you know we lost to West Hartlepool yeah and all this all these bloody horrible horrible away games and then we beat Northampton and um, the other but then what's brilliant about Gloucester is and this is why you can never ever doubt the genius of our rugby club we've gone an entire season without winning an away game we beat Northampton and we get the same points that we would have won for that game taken away from us because we hadn't registered Martin Kimber, who I don't even think got on the pitch. I think he was, he was the last replacement who never actually got on the pitch. You'd he wasn't know registered. He got on anyway. No, I know. No, I know. Sure yeah. dirty. Sure dirty. dirty. But, no, was, but he, he was a good attacking player. He was yeah, a good deal. He, he was, was very fast. Very fast. Yes. But um, unfortunately, there's that iconic image of him in the pristine. Uh, 15 shirt with all the other blokes in mud is there is that iconic image but um, yeah Martin Kimball hadn't been re-registered he's been injured all season and um, we lost the points that we won for winning that game because it's Gloucester why else well yeah we Um, like a good administration era don't we oh yeah yeah massive massive fan of that so um, yeah that that would be my absolute all time favourite moment watching rugby just it was just there was that it was a connection then I think it's a little bit different now where now where you've got 3,000, 4,000 fans will go to these European games, you know, we'll go to Limerick, we'll go to um, the finals, etc. And we've had more finals. Then we didn't have a final. You know, we, it, we, we, we celebrated as if we won the, the Champions Cup when we won the League Cup um, at uh, beating Bedford at Franklin's Gardens. I mean, that, that was a big trophy. The C&G Cup, the C&G League Cup. Yeah, we used to win the tens and we'd celebrate it like we'd won the tens. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, people used to, I think Gloucester for a while were the first team ever to get a pushover try in the sevens. I mean, you know, it's it was small victories. But, you know, I think I think that's what I loved about, that. you know, you love about Gloucester is that it's that... It's that connection with the supporters, which was, was what hopefully, uh, with the with the new coaching staff and the the, the, the direction of going to a forward generated uh, side, that hopefully will be 
um, continued. So, um, on no. that note, we'll leave it there. Thanks well, there's one, note, one more note. Oh, one more, one note, more thing. Go on, Lawrence. There is this. It's most important, guys, because you forget all what we said. Of course, naturally, our favourite game of all time is the 68-12 beating. Of course. Sorry, I, I, that, that you are correct. Us beating by 68-12 is the greatest moment of all time in rugby. What am I thinking? Um, and if anyone disagrees, you're wrong. Um, so, um, well, on that brilliantly happy bombshell uh, we'll leave it there but um i mean it's been it seems like it's been more than a week um but incredibly it hasn't uh never know what happened next week again elvis as i said you know will be our new musical uh, uh icon at, at king's own um uh-huh. i don't yes indeed um I, I am i'm almost, almost certain that we will start to uh, see some more interesting things coming in the next couple of weeks whether rugby actually returns um but on that note thank you very much guys and we'll speak again soon Cheers, guys. Cheers, guys. Cheers.